welcome to the Truth Labyrinth podcast. I am your host, J.R. Everhart from Restoration Ministries. This week, we look into a Celebrate Recovery step study program titled The Journey Begins. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is a Christian 12-step program. Uh, the step study series is a 26-lesson um, deep dive into the steps. We kind of take the steps and and tear them apart and put them under the microscope and take a look at how they can better apply to our hurts, habits, and hangups in life. Um, this is not a replacement for face-to-face meetings, so please go to your local Celebrate Recovery meeting and get involved in a face-to-face step study. Trust me, it will change your life. You will hear me say that over and over throughout this teaching series. So you can go to CelebrateRecovery.org and do a search in your area, and you will find a Celebrate Recovery in your area. They are literally everywhere. There's thousands of those uh, operating in churches all over the country. So uh, make sure you strap in and hold on because this is going to be a wild ride. It's going to get bumpy, it's going to be clumsy, and it's going to be uncomfortable at times. But the benefits far outweigh the discomfort that we deal with as we look inside the mirror of God's Word and our behavior. So you do not want to miss a second of this teaching series. Hi, I want to talk to you for a second about my company, COP Audio. COP Audio has been a leader in the Mid-Atlantic since about the mid-90s with all forms of production work, um, both inside the church and outside the church. Uh, We're well known for our mobile audio services and production services for live concerts and festivals. Um, But we also have just as rich of a history inside the church scene. Uh, Church production has definitely been a passion of mine since I became a, a Christian in 1994. Um, I have worn many hats during this time inside of um, you know, the church scene, you know, things like having to be light designer and video producer, teacher, you know, training staff, uh, been tech director at a couple different churches. Um, it's something that I've always been very passionate about and genuinely felt like it was part of my Christian ministry. Um, I've trained personally dozens and dozens of tech people and tech staff uh, throughout the mid-Atlantic. I've traveled around and done uh, sound reinforcement workshops and AV workshops um, on site with the church tech teams that I'm working with, trying to help them to get the best out of the systems that they have in place. So, you know, give us a call, check us out. Uh, we'd love to help out your church. We'd love to maybe even talk to you about uh, doing a system upgrade or an install. Um, maybe you just need someone to come in and make sense of the gear that you have. That's my specialty, you know, and I've been doing that for many, many years. So uh, check us out online at copaudio.com. That's copaudio.com. Be sure to check out and like our Facebook page, COP Audio. Just search COP Audio on Facebook. Uh, Be sure to read our reviews on the Facebook page. There's a lot of reviews on there from our clients. And... um, I think it'll give you some some perspective on who we are as a company. So again, online, copaudio.com, copaudio.com. Hello and welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, This episode, we're in Lesson 16, Amends. Um, This is a monster uh, lesson. And I am going to squeeze it into the next uh, 30 or 40 minutes here, if I can. 
And uh, this is another lesson where I really think they did a bang-up job um, getting it right in the leader's guide. So a lot of uh, what I'm going to talk about today is going to come from bits and pieces out of the leader's guide. And uh, a whole bunch of, I've got a whole bunch of commentary on this lesson. So uh, let's dig right in. We're in uh, principle six, step eight. Principle six says, evaluate all my relationships, uh, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. And then there's two scriptures to, su- to support that uh, principle, happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7, and happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Step 8 reads, we made a list of all persons we have harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And then uh, Jesus says in Luke six thirty one, do to others as you would have them do to you. That is the golden rule. So let me open up the episode um, with a paragraph or so from the uh, leader's guide. We started doing uh, repair work on the personal side of our lives early in our recovery by admitting our powerless, turning our lives and wills over to God's care, doing our moral inventory, sharing our sins or wrongs with another human being, and admitting our shortcomings and asking God to remove them. But now we begin to do some repair work on the relational side of our lives. Making your amends is the beginning of the end of your isolation from God and others. This lesson is um, going to allude to a whole bunch of forgiveness principles and stuff like that, which we will, let me just flip ahead here in my book. Yeah, the next lesson is forgiveness. It's going to allude to a bunch of forgiveness stuff. So it's kind of setting the stage for the next lesson of forgiveness. But uh, you're going to hear me talk a lot about forgiveness in in today's lesson. And obviously, uh, the next episode when we actually get into the forgiveness lesson. Still, some of us kind of balk at the amends process. We kind of kick and scream a little bit. Uh, We make statements like, if God has forgiven me, isn't that enough? Why should I drag up the past? After all, making amends doesn't sound natural. Yeah. (laughs) How many times have you heard me say that most of the principles we're trying to learn in the step study do not come natural, you know? Um, What comes natural is dysfunction. What comes natural is uh, our feelings and all the things our feelings drag us into. But the answer to that objection is simply making amends is not about your past so much as it is about your future. Uh, Before you can have the healthy relationships that you desire, you need to clean out the guilt, shame, and pain that has caused many of your past relationships to fail. This is uh, the amends thing and forgiveness. These two lessons, man, really set the stage for what your life is going to look like moving forward. You know, like, you know, like the leader's guy just told us, we, we've done all this personal, you know, uh, work with the inventory and with all the stuff that, that I just mentioned there in that previous paragraph. Um, 
And many of you may be feeling like, hey, man, I'm, I'm making some real progress here. I am like really feeling better about myself. I'm learning to love myself. You know, um, I'm taking better care of myself. I have a different outlook on life. I'm getting my sober legs underneath of me now, and I'm, I'm walking out recovery. It still may be clumsy, but I am, you know, uh, sober and working toward a sober mindset. Well, that's great. That's awesome. That has created the foundation that the rest of these lessons are going to stand on. Because you, if you don't have that, then it's hard to move forward with this other stuff because you're kind of getting the cart before the horse. The amends and forgiveness lessons really, really keep us from dragging the baggage of our past relationships into future relationships. Because a lot of that dysfunction is based on the fact that we are carrying, you know, truckloads of guilt, shame, pain, embarrassment, um, like really horrific levels of pain when you have been a victim, you know, to past abuses and stuff like that. I'm getting ready to dig into that next. Um, and until we pick at those scabs and until we get get that stuff out on the table, on the recovery table, and kind of kick it around and uh, work on it, then it's going to stay suppressed in our personality and in our life and will we'll come up to the surface in very unhealthy ways moving forward, which means in most cases you're going to just repeat the mistakes of the past. You know, I am at a point in my own personal life and I've had this conversation two or three times with two or three different people just here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and it is that, you know, man, I've been doing this recovery thing, you know, September will be 10 years, you know, and that, that is, that's mind blowing to me, but I am just starting to feel like I'm scratching the surface to becoming who it is I feel like I should really be, the healthy version of JR. You know, I am much more becoming an actor instead of a reactor to everything. I am not taking the bait so much into arguments and dysfunction. I am learning to live and let live in those scenarios. I'm learning to make amends quickly when I have screwed something up. And guys, there has, there's been some things I've had to make amends for that was just junk that was laying in the basement of my life, even though I may have been justified in the actions that I played out, they st it still didn't make them the right actions or reactions to the scenarios that were weighing heavy on me. And this is different for everyone. You know, I mean, the principle of amends is the same, but the way it looks and the way it plays out is different for everyone. You have to search your heart. And if you'll search your heart and you'll really pick at these scabs and you'll do what the lesson is going to tell us to do here today, then it's going to open doors in your memory. It's going to open doors in your mind and going to open doors of your past. And it's going to reveal to you things that you need to take care of. And if you'll be brave enough and courageous enough to go back and take care of those things, 
in the way that we're going to lay it out here today because there's a procedure to this, you know, uh, so that you don't hurt yourself or someone else or, you know, anything like that. Remember that the, the last part of principle six was accept when to do so would harm them or others. That's super huge because there's some stuff that you're just going to have to, you know, write a letter, share it with your sponsor, and maybe burn the letter because maybe the person you need to make amends with is, is deceased, has passed on. Um, maybe the person you made amends to has become so toxic that it would threaten your sobriety to try to approach them. Um, so, yeah, don't freak out on me here, you know, two or three minutes into the episode. We're going to cover all that stuff. We're going to cover the hard stuff. We're going to ask the tough questions here today about all this, this sort of stuff. But let me let me deal with first things first. I myself am a, am a survivor of um, child abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, there's elements of torture in that. Um, it's not easy to talk about that stuff for a variety of reasons because of the shame it brings on my family because of the the shame that is just attached to that sort of thing and all the emotions that I'm still working through, you know, 30, 40, 50 years later, I'll be 50 this year. So I'll say, you know, 40 years later, you know, um, but it's, it's things that have to be talked about. It's necessary in order to grow and to keep progressing forward. So I am specifically talking to those of you right now who have, survived, you know, uh, uh, sex abuse, child abuse of some kind, or maybe even adultery, you know, in your adult life, because that, that cuts to the core. That cuts to the core. Uh, from the Leader's Guide, often I have counseled people in Principle 6 and on the critical importance of forgiveness, only to have them say, never will I forgive, not after what was done to me. In these cases, the wrong against the individual was often child molestation, sexual abuse, or adultery. Such sins are deeply, deep violations that leave painful wounds, but they also are the root of dysfunction that bring many people into recovery. Forgiving a perpetrator for such wrongs, even after the one harmed has dealt with the emotional pain, seems impossible. We are going to deal specifically with this issue in the lesson um, on the three types of forgiveness. So we're going to talk more about this in the next episode of Forgiveness, so make sure you come back for that. Um, For now, listen to the way Celebrate Recovery reworks this step for those in the sexual physical abuse groups. Make a list of all persons who have harmed us and become willing to seek God's help in forgiving our perpetrators as well as forgiving ourselves. Realize we've also harmed others and become willing to make amends to them. So we have to we have to wrap our heads around the fact that, and we're going to talk a lot about this, wrap our heads around the fact that this is about this is about us this isn't about letting someone off the hook no one gets away with anything guys unless you get under the blood of christ and even then you know you're going to deal with you know this world's consequences to your actions you know i always um, use this illustration if you go rob a bank 
you know, God will forgive you and you can, when you die, you can go to heaven and, and live with the saints and on the streets of gold of heaven. But don't be surprised if Johnny Law comes knocking at your door with a warrant for your arrest and you got to spend 15 years in jail because of your actions here on earth. So there are consequences to our actions here in this physical world. And uh, if we're not under the blood of Christ in the world to come. So, you know, making an amends isn't about letting people off the hook. It's not the way it's not the way this works. It's about letting you off the hook. It's about getting you out of the prison of unforgiveness and getting you in the freedom of amends. So let's open up the lesson here in the little book here. Uh, Think about it. Making your amends is the beginning of the end of your isolation with others and God. The amends acrostic will help you get started. So the first letter of the acrostic is A, admit the hurt and the harm. You need to once again face the hurts, resentments, and wrongs others have caused you or wrongs you have caused others. Holding on to resentments only blocks your recovery not only blocks your recovery, but blocks God's forgiveness in your life. That's that's a hard sentence to swallow, guys. Let me read it again. Holding on to resentment not only blocks your recovery, but blocks God's forgiveness in your life. In Luke 6, 37, this is Jesus speaking, Do not judge others, and God will not judge you. Do not condemn others, and God will not condemn you. Forgive others, and God will forgive you. Basically, what this is trying to say is that we are all sinners. Every single one of us are in dire need of grace and mercy from God. And we typically don't have a whole lot of problem, you know, asking God for forgiveness and and accepting his grace. I mean, some of us do, don't get me wrong, but for the most part, most people have a much easier time receiving mercy and grace than what they do giving mercy and grace. And that's what this process is bringing to the surface. I have seen guys and I have counseled guys who have sat and you know, told me all the crazy, nasty mess that their life was and how you know grateful they are for the sacrifice of, of Christ's work on the cross at Calvary and how they live in that grace and that mercy you know, from God each and every day. But then when we get to the amends process and we start talking about how they need to now display that same grace and mercy that forgive their sins to those who sinned against them, then that's kind of where the recovery rubber meets the recovery road. That's not easy to do. It does not come natural. It's a learned behavior, and it's something that you have to, you know, cover in prayer, stay connected to your accountability guys and your sponsor, and work through the emotions of that. Uh, I had a woman come to me uh, many years ago, probably eight or nine years ago. I had not been in recovery, but a short time, you know, a year or so. And she had a long history. She had heard my testimony. She had a long history of sexual abuse in in her childhood, especially in her teen years and things like that. And she was on, man, I don't know, no less than six or eight different types of psychotrophic medications, um, 
you know, one medication was pulling her emotions one way, the other medication was pulling her emotions the other way. Honestly, in my personal layman opinion, I'm not a doctor, please don't take medical advice from me. But in my personal opinion, I felt like the drugs was not helping her situation. I felt like the drugs were medicating something that she needed to take care of herself. And that was work through this amends process. And when I told her that, when I told her, she asked me how I got free of, you know, the grip of my perpetrators. And it was a real simple answer. I forgave them. I know it should maybe be more complicated than that. And it wasn't easy to do. I don't say that lightly, you know, but. A lot of my perpetrators, well, some of my perpetrators were family, and I loved them even after what they had done to me. And God has given me this gift to see people's brokenness, and I have a, a very a very defined gift of discernment, and I can feel that hurt and pain in other people, in my spirit, and when I look back at the people who did some of the most horrific things to me physically and sexually as a child, yes, there was a, a time where I was mad about that. There's times even now I can think about it. I, a buddy of mine was just asking me about it two days ago. We were on the phone together and I broke down crying. Like, man, you have no idea how that messed my life up. You know, so I mean, it's still there. It just doesn't control me anymore. And I'm still letting go of it because that's how the amends process works. The forgiveness process works. It's, you may have to, you know, pray that forgiveness prayer a million times before you get there. But I told her she needed to forgive her perpetrators and she got mad at me and she blew up at me and I haven't talked to her since. Uh, I think I have maybe bumped into her in, in public a couple of times, and she was cordial and nice and all that, but we've never had another word of conversation about her recovery or anything like that. And the last I heard, she went through another divorce. She's been through several, and um, she's still on a whole laundry list of drugs and still has not found that peace that she's so desperately looking for. Look, guys, this this is life or death stuff. You know, it just is. It's life or death stuff. I was just watching a, a uh, um, it wasn't a TikTok video. It was, I think it was a Reels video on Facebook or whatever about a judge who was passing down a sentence on um, a guy who was wrapped up in a bunch of drug charges, habitual record, long record, and come to find out they both went to middle school together. And she mentions that in the video. And you look at these two people, she's now a judge, and he is a, for all intents and purposes, a career criminal. And, you know, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, that's, that's what this is all about, man. That's, that's the stuff that, that's the nuts and bolts of all this. It just is. You know, I heard another story about a guy that I was working with when I was living down in Harrisonburg who is, was a recovering alcoholic and has since relapsed and, you know, looking at maybe 20 years in jail now over some stuff that he did when he was drunk and angry. 
here's a guy who had all the money in the world and all the opportunity in the world and just everything in front of him was doing pretty good with his recovery. He was always a bull and a jerk to work with, but you know, it was a whole bunch of us trying to point him in the right direction. He went through three or four sponsors in a couple of years that I knew him. I was one of them. And now he's looking at spending the rest of his life because he's old enough to where a 20-year sentence would probably be the rest of his life in prison. This is life or death stuff, guys. You know? The more of this stuff you work and you honestly try to do the uncomfortable work of walking this out, the better your chances are of not being that bad example of how your life can you know, go to pot if you don't work the principles. So let's keep moving on because I could tell you stories like that for another hour. I can't, I mean, I've just, I've seen it play out before me over and over and over again. So when this, this scripture is talking about you not getting God's forgiveness because of your lack of forgiving others, what it's saying is you need to show the same grace and mercy God showed you to the people around you, not for them, for you. The next letter of the acrostic is M make a list. Uh, and then I got a list. A message here or a note here to read something out of the leader's guide. Hang with me here. So in admit uh, your feelings have been bottled up far, far too long and that has interfered with all of your important relationships. Holding on to resentment uh, not only blocks your recovery but blocks God's forgiveness in your life. We just talked about that. Um, And then in column one of your inventory, if you go back to your inventory, you will find a list of people that you need to forgive. These are the people you have hurt. In column five, you will find a list of people with whom you you own amends. These are the ones whom you have hurt. And man, it is never comfortable talking about the people you victimized. Most people who have been victims of child abuse, whether sexual, physical, psychological, um, most of those people grow up to victimize other people either with bitterness or anger or with the same things they were victimized with. I just read a book by Jay Stringer called uh, uh, Unwanted, and it talks all about that. It talks about, it even digs deep into uh, subcultures of the pornography industry that is built on people reliving they're subconsciously reliving their sexual abuse, except now they're the perpetrator. Now they're the one that's in in control. How sick and demented is that? And that subculture is growing. He gives numbers. I highly recommend that book, by the way, Unwanted by Jay Stringer. So make a list. Go back to your inventory sheets. Uh, Yeah, and then column one and column five, we just talked about that. And are there others that you need to add? Because God's going to bring people to your to your memory as you work through this. Treat others as you want um, them to treat you. That's uh, Luke 6.31. E is our next letter. Encourage one another. Before you make your amends or offer your forgiveness to others, you need to meet with your accountability partner or sponsor. He or she will encourage you and give you the value, valuable objective opinion, which will ensure that your motives stay on track. Let us consider how we may spur one another 
on toward love and good deeds. That's Hebrews 10.24. This is super important, guys, because your, your sponsor and your accountability people are not only going to encourage you with an objective opinion, but they're also going to kind of make sure that you don't stick your foot in a fire. Because, you know, like we mentioned before, except when to do so would harm them or others, then we shouldn't do it. You know, if you make an amends with somebody who's going to, you know, go break somebody's family up, you know, you might want to think about that. Because, you know, of course, you may justify that with, well, you know, that spouse needs to know that they were cheating on them, blah, blah, blah. Well, listen to me. I will guarantee you, you're not the only person they've been cheating with. You may think you're all super special and you were, but I'll guarantee you, you probably weren't. And, you know, the Bible clearly says what is hidden in darkness will be revealed in the light. Them people do not need any help being revealed. It's only a matter of time before they reveal. But that you got to take that by a case-by-case basis. You know, it is what it is. You know, I had to make one of those amends in my life, and it did not go well. And we're going to talk about that, too, as we move forward here. The next letter is N, not for them. And this goes right along with what I was just talking about. You need to approach those to whom you offer your forgiveness or amends humbly, sincerely, and willingly. Do not offer excuses or attempt to justify your actions. Focus only on your part. Don't expect anything back. And I prayed hardcore about me going to this certain gentleman and telling him that, you know, I was not a good guy with his wife. It was very, very hard for me to do that. And he did not accept my apology. He did. (laughs) It did not go well, you know, and for all the, all the correct reasons, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this to release me from all the guilt and shame that I have toward this And, um, just so happens him and his wife had just split up because she took off with another guy. So like I was just saying, if they're doing it with you, they're probably doing it with other people too. You know, I'm, I don't like to talk about that stuff because it brings shame, you know, to, to my life and a lot from a lot of different angles, but it's part of my story and I'm transparent. I can't sit here and lie to you guys about that. You know, um, amends is tough. But you got to go into it, you know, with the idea that, look, I'm I'm trying to just right a wrong here, you know. Uh, there used to be a sitcom, sitcom called My Name is Earl, where the whole premise of the sitcom was he had made this list of people he was going to make an amends with, people he had done wrong. And a lot of times that those scenarios did not work out well, made for a great sitcom, but it can sometimes be very hurtful. And I think... The sad thing is, here's the saddest thing about that whole situation I just told you about. I really loved that guy, and I really did him wrong, but I was really hoping at some point in our life we could come together and be able to repair, even if it's just a little bit, make some kind of peace over our relationship and how it was injured by my actions. And um, sadly, he died before that ever happened. Died of a massive heart attack really just about two years after, you know, we had had that amends episode. Um, so that, that can be tough, but you know what? I got freedom through that. You know, I, that 
I was able to let go of some junk. I really was. There's a whole bunch of stuff that just happens through this process that's even hard to put into words sometimes, guys. You're healing subconscious layers of your of your psyche here. You know, God is reaching into your physical mind and and unraveling bondage and breaking yokes that have been hanging on you in some cases for many, many years. Many, many years. There's a whole lot I could say about that, but I'm I'm just gonna kinda keep moving on. Because I know people who have taken that junk to their grave and lived long, horrible, miserable lives because they never could get courageous enough to make this happen. You know, we either get better or we get bitter, guys. You know? And I have firsthand, firsthand, right in front of my face, seen people live 70-some years on this planet just absolutely in bondage to bitterness because of junk that they never admitted that they did and lied about for decades and took it right to their grave when they could have gotten free of that stuff and could have had a better quality of life and really wouldn't have caused so much havoc in all the relationships in their life because of their dysfunction that was based in the fact that they made some super huge mistakes in their life and never owned up to it. The next letter is D. Do it at the right time. So timing is very crucial here. This step not only requires courage, good judgment, and willingness, but a careful sense of timing. It is key at this time to prayfully ask Jesus Christ for his guidance and direction. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. That's Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Yeah, again, this is where you need to lean into your sponsors and you need to really dig deep, you know, with God and and talk about, you know, that kind of stuff. And when, when is the right time, when is not the right time. Um, backing up here just for a second. <clears throat> when you're making your list, don't worry about the how-tos in making your amends. Don't ask questions like, how could I ever ask my dad for forgiveness? Or how could I ever forgive my brother for what he did? Go ahead and put the person on the list anyways. Treat others as you would want them to, to treat you. Um, getting it down on paper is the first step. I know people who has made who've made these amends lists and it's taking them years to get through it because they're waiting for the right time or they're waiting for God to open a door of opportunity to be able to make that amends or in some cases just get up enough courage to pick up the phone and call them or go see them. Uh, let's see in the E across to get some stuff from the leaders guide that I skimmed over here that I want to make sure that I give you. The person's objective opinion is valuable to ensure that you make the amends and offer forgiveness. That's talking about bringing sponsors into the process. And remember, you can't hold a torch to light another's path without brightening your own. Yeah, get your own junk in order before you go and and start doing this sort of stuff. Uh, and the end was not for them. It's for you. You need to approach those to whom you are offering forgiveness and amends humbly, honestly, sincerely, and willingly. We just said that. 
Uh, and it talks about don't offer excuses or justifying your actions. You definitely don't want to do that. You're not owning. <laughs> you're not owning the mistakes you made if you're sitting there saying, "Well, I may have done that, but here's a whole laundry list of reasons why it was okay that I did that." Well, that's not an amends. That's not even an apology. You're just saying you're sorry that you feel you reacted this way to my actions. That's not an apology. Narcissists do that. That's gaslighting. You know, that's that's basically trying to convince someone they have no right to be mad at them because you pooped in their Wheaties and you got all these backhanded justifications why it was okay to do that. That's not an amends. An amends is, hey, look, dude, you know, I slept with your wife. I'm sorry. I have no excuses for it. It was jacked up, and I feel like dirt for it. I'm sorry. Or, hey, dude, you know, I stole money from you, and I'm sorry. Or, hey, dude, I you know, got angry and ripped you to shreds with my murderous words, and I'm sorry for that. And I'm sorry that that conversation created, in some cases, decades of separation between us. I've seen siblings go through that. I know people who are brothers and sisters and, you know, or cousins that were really close and things like that, got into a big blow-up fight, said a bunch of junk that, you know, cut people to the quick, and then haven't talked to each other for maybe 10 years since then, who have worked this program, worked through this amends lesson, and ended up going back, making amends with that person, and repairing the relationship. It can happen. happens all the time. But you never know what's going to happen when you make the amends. You have to just sit there and take it. You're going to eat crow, okay? That's what this is. You're eating crow. But you're eating the crow for all the right reasons. You're eating crow because you've been imprisoned in the guilt and shame of what you did or in the unforgiveness that you carry. Uh, moving right along, principle six says that I am responsible to make amends for the harm I've done to others. Jesus said, love your enemies and do good with them. Uh, lend to them and expect nothing in return. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. God loves us generously and graciously, even when we are at our worst. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for that right there. Oh, praise you, Lord. Yes, Absolutely. Because I need that about 16 times a day. But because he's so gracious with his love and loves us when we don't deserve it, and he is so kind to us when we don't deserve kindness, we need to show that same gracious love and kindness to the people that we've done wrong and to those who have hurt us. Do you know that you can become uh, addicted to your bitterness, hatred, and revenge just as you become addicted to alcohol, drugs, and relationships? A life characterized by bitterness, resentment, and anger will kill you emotionally and um, just become an emotional cancer to your soul. They will produce the three Ds. Pay attention. This is a good one here. Depression, despair, and discouragement. If you're someone who deals with depression, despair, and discouragement, maybe a sense of hopelessness, maybe you need to ask God if there's people you need to make amends with. 
Because it's telling us right here, this can be a byproduct of the fact that we need to make amends with some people or we need to offer forgiveness to some people. The absolute root of bitterness, and believe me, I have spent many years of my life living with people who struggle with bitterness. A hundred percent of the time, their bitterness came from the fact that they couldn't forgive somebody who victimized them in their past. A hundred percent of the time. They are still carrying that person's hurt and that baggage around with them. I mean, I'm talking 25 years later, still still holding on to it, still like just get red-faced mad and ready to fight if they even talk about it. You're not free from that situation if that's your reaction. It's not rocket science, guys. If it's still jacking you up emotionally that way, you still got some work to do there. And a byproduct of that is bitterness, is depression, despair, discouragement, hopelessness, feeling like no one truly loves you, struggling to receive love from people who genuinely love you. Yeah, let that sink in a minute. The unforgiving heart will cause you more pain and destruction than it will ever cause the person who hurt you. Let me read that again. The unforgiving heart will cause you more pain and destruction than it will ever cause the person who hurt you. Yeah, wrap that up in a little burrito and chew on it for a while. Because I am. I'm preaching to me too here. Look, I, yeah, I'm, I'm jacked up. I'm the chief of all centers. So the last letter of the acrostic is S, start living the promises of recovery. As we complete this principle, we will discover God's gift of true freedom from our past. Man, and sometimes we don't even know how jacked up we are until we go through this and we get on the other side of it. And it's like, man, I just woke up today and I feel free, man. I just feel like I'm not as burdened down and stressed out and bitter and jacked up as what I was, you know, two months ago before I started this process. We will begin to find the peace and serenity that we have long been seeking. We will become ready to embrace God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose, I will repay you all the years the locusts have stolen from you. That's Joel 2.25 from the Old Testament. Super huge, cool stuff. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's from Romans 12, 18. So there's two scripture promises from the Old and New Testament that you can can grab onto there. Listen, this this is a messy process. I ain't trying to make it sound like it ain't because it's, it's tough. This is a tough one. This is like a very close second to the inventory in this program. You know, amends and forgiveness, man. And next next episode is going to be forgiveness. This this is super duty, hardcore stuff. Life and death kind of stuff here. Life and death. We have to get a hold of this, guys. If you've been, you know, stuck in a recovery, on a recovery plateau for maybe many, many years. I know people who have learned. I had a... I'm going to tell you a story because, I mean, I wish these stories, I wish I didn't have so many of these stories because I hate it, but I have to tell it and I have to use their story to maybe help somebody because it's the only good that can come out of it. 
I used to be very good friends with, with someone who was a recovering heroin addict. Three and a half years sober. Worked to celebrate recovery program, was part of leadership, had been through probably eight or ten different step studies, was in a place where she really should have been teaching step studies, was always in a step study or two all the time, plus went to the weekly meeting, you know, very active, rocking it out, and, um, you know, had some things that she had not dealt with in the past. I believe it was... uh, a series of abortions that she had had that she had kind of swept under the rug and she got to a place in her recovery where, you know, God was you know trying to get her to deal with that. You know, he was challenging her and, you know, God can't challenge us. He can't grow us. He was challenging her to get free of the guilt and shame that was involved in that. And through that process, she relapsed and she relapsed hard and black tar heroin took her life from her about a year later. It absolutely breaks my heart to even talk about it. Because she was a beautiful human being and died way, way too young. When I say this is life and death, guys, I'm not trying to like scare you straight here. I'm just trying to explain to you the fact of what recovery is. You know, and it's not just chemical addiction. I could tell you stories about people where anger cost them everything. Anger caused a car wreck and killed them. Anger caused them to beat somebody to death. Anger caused them to push someone who fell down and hit their head and ended up in a wheelchair. Codependency drove their kids away from them to a point to where their kids ended up on drugs, some of which died. From codependency is where you can trace that back to. It's not just the chemical guys. Please take the time and dig into this. Please. You know, the thing I have learned in all this is the more I forgive, the more grace and mercy I find from God. You know, the more I own my junk, the more I take time to say, you know what, dude, I was wrong, man, and I owe you an apology. You know, I I find myself doing that all the time in situations that I am right now in a situation where I've had to apologize now three times to some people who should really be apologizing for me for the way they treat me. But they're doing it out of ignorance and they don't realize what they're doing. So I can't hold them accountable for it just yet. I'm hoping God opens their eyes at some point down the road. But right now, all I can control is my reactions to things. When I should be an actor in the situation, I'm not because it's pushing my buttons and I'm becoming a reactor. And when I'm reacting, I'm reacting out of my emotions and out of my emotional mind and out of, of, you know, knee-jerk dysfunctions. And it causes me to say things and operate under an attitude of bitterness and an attitude of uh, frustration that I am not comfortable with. And I have to go back and I have to own that and I have to say I'm sorry.
And to them, I probably, I'm probably coming off bipolar because they really don't know me that well yet. They will. They'll, they'll figure it out as time goes on. God will slowly open their eyes as to what is going on with me and who I am. And hopefully they get to see my heart of love and compassion. But time will tell. I can't control them. But what I can control is Jr. And what I can control is how Jr. operates in this world. I don't have to get it right all the time, but I have to own my junk all the time. That's what separates the men from the boys here in recovery. We quickly ask for an amends. We quickly own the fact that, hey, we said some stuff we probably shouldn't have said. Or we did some things we probably shouldn't have did. That's what this is all about. That's the amends process, is having a clear conscience, having a clean slate whenever it is humanly possible. Just like Paul was saying from Romans here, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, not the other person, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Think about that scripture. I'll read it one more time because if you're like me, you're a little thick-headed and you need it several times. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That doesn't mean I got to be BFF, you know, friends with these people that are jacking up my groove. What I think is happening, and let me just get real with you here for a second and welcome you into the dysfunctional world of J.R. Everhart. I think God's trying to teach me something through all this. I think I'm being tested. I'm being tested in my pride. I'm being tested in, you know, who I am as a Christian. I'm being tested in my recovery. And I'm not responding well to all that. I'm making mistakes. But I'm seeing those mistakes. And I'm not justifying those mistakes as okay just because someone else made a mistake. No, I have to own my responses. I have to own my actions. And the only way I can do that is by allowing God to pick at those scabs and put me in these situations. And he had to put me in my place you know, just this weekend. I was grumbling and complaining about the situation to him, and he was like, dude, you need to suck it up. Suck it up, buttercup. Because... The whole deal that's going on here has more to do with your pride and your dysfunction than it does them. Yeah, they're messed up. Yeah, they they got some issues too that need to be dealt with. I'll deal with that is what God was telling me. You deal with you. Because if I can't challenge you, I can't grow you. And you're the guy that teaches that all the time. So guess what I did? I sucked it right up, put a smile on my face. And put one foot in front of the other. And actually had a wonderful time. It's amazing how that works out. Life's a garden, dig it. In the immortal words of the great philosopher Joe Dirt. And I always add to that, that if you start digging in the garden, you're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to get dirt all over you. It's messy. But that's life. And that's what it looks like to be a Christian. Welcome to the party.
If you have found value in this podcast, please consider giving to this ministry. The Truth Labyrinth is only one aspect of Restoration Ministries. We raise money regularly for needy people right here in our own community. Just this past Christmas season, we raised over $1,000 for a woman struggling with spinal cancer and was able to bring hope to someone who had lost all hope. Uh, We've bought handicap vans for the disabled. We paid utility bills for single moms. And uh, we've paid for hundreds of casual meals for those who were in need of one-on-one counseling, but uncomfortable with an office environment. Listen, guys, sometimes it's much easier for someone to open up and ask for help over a meal than it is to walk into a counselor's office and lay on a couch. God has and is using Restoration Ministries in ways that break traditional church protocol. I personally believe we have to earn the right to speak into someone's life, and it takes time to build those bridges, many times unraveling years of church hurt and dysfunction. This is what Christian ministry should look like in today's world. God should be glorified through our efforts to help the world around us, but it takes resources to do these things. For years, I've paid for a lot of these things out of my own pocket without hesitation. Or I've organized a benefit concert or some kind of fundraising campaign to provide these services for the people that God puts in my pathway. I will continue to give to these causes with everything that I have, but I need your support. It takes money and time to produce this podcast. Many hours go into praying over and organizing these messages, not to mention actually recording the messages and all the post-production editing and stuff that needs to happen with that. This ministry isn't about building an empire. It's about connecting hungry hearts with the fruit of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have no aspirations of becoming some wealthy preacher or tycoon ministry leader. I am content with the world that I live in, and my little world is pretty peaceful and satisfying. I definitely don't need the drama that comes along with big ministry and tycoon leadership egos. I'm just trying to make my tiny little piece of the world better. I need your support. So please pray about supporting this ministry financially. I will post links in the notes of this podcast so that you can send your gift online. Next, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review so others can see what's going on here, especially your five-star reviews. Uh, The more you review us, the higher we rank in search listings, and this allows people to discover us easier. Finally, please pray for this ministry. Pray God will provide for our needs here at the Truth Labyrinth. Pray that God will bring this podcast across the screens of those that need to hear these messages. The Bible tells us that God's ear is upon the lips of the righteous. Guys, He hears our prayers. And we need His constant guidance for each and every podcast and everything that Restoration Ministries does. So pray that He uses this podcast to turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, and that his truth will turn those hearts toward his eternal mercy and grace. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast. My prayer is that it blessed you and brought you a fresh understanding of our lives in this world and our need for unity in Christ. 
A brush fire of revival in Jesus Christ is our only hope for satisfaction and true joy as we walk out the human experience that is our day-to-day lives. It's been my sincere honor to be your host today at the Truth Labyrinth Podcast. Be blessed and be a blessing to those around you. Till next time, I leave you with a scripture from Ephesians 6, 23 and 24. Peace be with you, dear brothers and sisters, and may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh.